Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Tech Time Edition. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you podcasts and F1 blogs. Thanks for joining me in the podcasting shed. I'm your Tech Time host, Matt Trumpets. Joining me tonight, or today, in a producer role due to his inability to stay awake during Tech Talk, it's regular host, Spanners. Yeah, the producer role doesn't massage my ego or sate my constant and insatiable need for attention quite as much as hosting, but at least I get to play with all the mixer bits and buttons and I do learn stuff. Well, I'm certainly not listening to you guys. Yeah, well, you're not going to miss the ego massaging because you'll be asleep, so, you know. That's a good point. At, at least I do get to catch up on that. As a parent, sleep time is important. I'm disappointed in F1, though, this week, thinking there'd be no news, only to find my boy Rio Harianto loses his seat to Ocan at Manor. You mean the not entirely Spanish Esteban Ocon? Right. How can he not be Spanish? I think he's just got to be Spanish. I was so irritated when I found out he wasn't Spanish because the name is so, so disingenuous, I have to say. So he's but French, he, yes? Yeah, no, he is He is French. And, and the French and the Spanish are more closely related than they like to admit sometimes. About Rio, you know, I, I've been thinking about this. And, and I have to admit, I'm kind of irritated. Because everybody's like, oh, poor Rio. Yeah. He did such a good job against Pascal. Poor Rio. But here's what they forget. Right before the season began, it wasn't Rio who was going to be driving for Manor, was it? No, no, no. no. It was was an American, Alexander Rossi, who at the last minute was outbid by Rio Harianto, saying he had extra bags of cash for that Formula One seat. And now comes summer break. It turns out that he broke his contract because he didn't have said extra bags of cash. And so as far as I'm concerned, he is the Donald J. Trump of pay drivers in Formula One. He shows up, says, I've got a gazillion dollars. I will buy everything from you. And then he cannot deliver on the promise. So uh, I've got the best dollars. My sympathy for him is limited. I will drive the best dollars. I will be the best paid driver. 
there is no other better paid driver than me. Was that Rio? Is that was that fair? That was my Donald Harrianto. You, you're getting there. You, you need to throw the word huge in there, and then everybody knows it's a Trump thing. That's that's really his signature. They're all against me. Arkans against me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, we're not getting into that. Uh, but I tell you what, <laughs> the whole the whole thing of being told, oh, he's lost his place in the team because of money. It it really does. It highlights. Uh, this phenomenon of paid drivers that doesn't really happen in any other sport. And I'll selfishly early on plug my article uh, for asterisk attached to all F1 titles. And we really have to start thinking about the place of Formula One sportsmen compared to other sports when you can, you know, when you can lose your, your place down due to personal funding. And you could have a, you could, if this was football, if it was the same 100 metres, you could have a grid full of Lewis Hamiltons. But we really don't. No, and you don't. And I'll, there's exactly one word that explains it all. Money. Sponsors. Sponsors. And it's engineering because the fact is it's an engineering contest that costs a lot of money. And the fact is if £8 million from Jolie and Palmer can buy you more lap time on the track than the difference between Jolie and Palmer and Lewis Hamilton, then it makes sense to take the money. But it's not a spec series and, and we don't really want it to be. Yeah, no, we don't want it to be a spec series, but the sponsors don't pay the bills anymore. So it has to be the drivers. Otherwise, we don't have a sport. All right. Well, what can Missed Apex bring us, even on a Tech Time show? Yes. Well, for those of us, those just finding us, we are an independent podcast. Yeah, we are. We're hosted on SpannersReady.com, podcast Woo. and blogs. Is that enough ego massaging? Yeah, you? bring it on. <laughs> that, that, and, that's and all my things. What, what we are going to give you is, well, first of all, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday commute. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen if there's not a race. I feel compelled to point that out. But, but they will still get this on their Monday morning commute. But we will bring you a show before your Monday morning commute. Unless, of course, we don't. For force majeure reasons, people. That's the only reason. Uh, the show is safe for work. We keep it clean. So you can play it with the kids in the background or in the car and at work, but I would recommend that you be judicious in your application of that as we don't want you dozing off on the motorway. <laughs> and so I, I think that's pretty much the house came out the way. Details on how to join the conversation will follow. It's not just us this week, Matt. No, 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 no. Let's bring along some friends, shall we? Cool. How about we start with Summers F1, Matt Summers, the assistant technical editor at motorsport.com. And you were live at the Silverstone GP. No, no, that's that. I left that in the notes. Sorry about that. I, I'm go I, you're going to have to edit it now so I can say the yeah, following no, word. Do it again. Okay, fine. You carry on. You carry on. <laughs> Hi, Summers. Hi, guys. Was that a bit of a Ron Burgundy moment? <laughs> now I've got to leave it in. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more than a bit of one when I'm around. So how's it going? How's your summer break been? Uh, yeah, it's going okay. Um a bit quieter for me, not so much to talk about, but still plenty to get on in the background. Got some pieces coming up over the next couple of weeks and until the break's finished. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's say we invite someone else along too. Let's invite Catman, who has clearly not been listening to our podcast as he's been too busy mismatching his driving boots. How's it going, Catman? Yeah, good, thanks, Sam. How you doing? I'm doing well. I, so, so... You're not only just had a birthday, but you've actually got a child on the way. Yeah, that's right. So June, January. So I can probably join your other podcast at some point because well, I hear that that's just um, all about love for your wives, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. We do nothing but say very, 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 very nice things about our wives, who are, of course, all perfect anyway. Your life yeah. is over and everything is terrible. The girlfriend <laughs> you love so much will disappear into a pool of frustrated hatred. <laughs> Uh, I didn't have to beep any of that, so that's good. uh, Spanners is having a good day, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say that he's mismatching his driving boots? Yeah, so I've got, um, on the sole of my shoes, I've got one red one and one black one, so I know which one is the brake and which one is the accelerator. Oh, so it's deliberate, because I was going to say, it happened to me a few days ago. I went to work and I suddenly realised I had odd shoes, and that's never never happened before. Uh, The thing is, I thought I only had one pair of work shoes, so who knows? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's never happened before that you've noticed. Now ask yourself how many times you've gone to work with your fly open. I did. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's the thing. Is if, if you ever notice a spider on your face in bed, imagine how often it must happen and you don't notice because you're asleep. <laughs> yes, that is a scary thing, isn't it? Oh, hang on. I spy another young'un in here, Matt. I think I, 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 I spy with my keen little eye, Ryan Ferret Ferris. And I hear he's washed behind his ears for this episode. So everyone be nice now. <laughs> all right guys yeah you you might think you can grow a beard ryan but you can't i'll try i'm, I'm gonna do a november in is it august now yeah i'm gonna do a november in august that that doesn't make sense that's like 66 percent of the time it works every time all right well uh, enough enough fun let's move on to the tech stock tech time in association with a weaver writes follow amanda on twitter she writes books that make ideal gifts for your wife they'll keep her busy while you do whatever you want right so let's get to it before we get into the rest of the 2017 regs let's take a brief look at the season thus far but i don't think we want to talk about all the teams i think we have a couple of very particular teams we want to talk about and we might as well start at the very top. Tell us a little bit about Mercedes and their and their philosophy. What's allowed them to do so well this far? Well, I think it's a culmination of obviously three seasons worth of development down at Mercedes. And we've talked about this on the podcast in the past in, in as much as that uh, because 2017's regulations are so very different. Um, I think they're just chucking parts at the car that they've had in development for quite some time. Uh, I think we've talked about it being rubber banding in the past in terms of uh, pace management to the rest of the field. Also, obviously, um, their aero philosophy is quite different when you compare it to the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari in as much as that they've got the power unit advantage. So you've got things that um, are particularly aggressive in terms of the aerodynamic effect that they give. Um, things like the barge boards, which are quite revolutionary parts, um, they've got lots of serrated edges on things. The front wing and the rear wing have both got serrated flaps. And you've also got strikes on the upper flap of the, the front wing. These are all things that other teams just simply aren't doing. And it puts them well ahead of the rest in the development stakes. Does that mean that their car is a lot less efficient than, say, the Red Bull in terms of generating the aerodynamics? I, I wouldn't say so much as it's completely inefficient. But yeah, um, they're... they're trying a different path um it's i the way that i always try to perceive it is it's like hitting the the airflow with a hammer in comparison to red bull using a knife to slice through it um it's just a very aggressive approach to the aero philosophy and that's because they've got the extra power they can afford to do that 
That's it. Yeah, there's they've got the extra grunt behind them, so they, they they've got more top end speed just based on the extra power that they're allowed to to put down, and obviously they can overwhelm that with additional downforce, and and that can compensate the drag. Right now, we um we had talked earlier about Red Bull adding rake to their car, finally. And and how is that working? What advantage is that yielding to them? I, I know in general it just lets more air pass under the diffuser, but you think there may be more to it than that? Yeah, well, rake's quite a, a difficult thing. It's not something that can simply be added to the car. You know, you can't just jack the rear end up and expect to get a nominal amount of rear downforce in exchange for it. Uh, it's something that has to be part of the philosophy of the car. And Red Bull's philosophy has always been a high-raked car at the rear, so that's sort of nose-down approach. And what that does is it puts the front wing into ground effect, uh, which obviously improves downforce at the front end of the car um, for minimal amount of drag, and it also then has an effect downstream as well. Um, but the, the more interesting thing is perhaps the way that the, the rear wing is um, being used in that scenario, especially now they've had the power unit update. In as much and, as that, it it's believed that the rear wing's being stalled. And and how are they managing to achieve that? Is that just is that just a consequence of the rake that they've added, or is there more to it than that? And and what exactly does it mean when you stall the rear wing in in motorsports versus like say when you fly fly a plane straight up in the air? <laughs> okay, yeah. So there's a few questions there. Um, firstly, the rake of the car isn't that different to what it was before they may have gone up say a degree in terms of the the rake um, effect but what they have done is they've put themselves in a new operating window because of the power that they've got available to them from Renault so obviously um, I think they've been saying for quite some time that they're they're significantly down on the the Mercedes power unit but Christian Horn has been come out recently and said that they're actually now around 50 horsepower down which is relative to what they used to be in the V8 era um, so they've gone back to this raked approach in terms of being able to use that to mitigate a difference against the, the power unit versus aero. And the stall that we mention, um, it's not it's not the same as an aerodynamic stall for in, in an aircraft, um, which is when you completely lose um, you completely lose the drag. Uh, sorry, you don't completely lose the drag. You create hysteria on the on the wing through the angle of attack being too high. Now, what um, you would tend to do in Formula One is actually reduce the amount of downforce, and that obviously squares to the amount of drag. So they're still generating some downforce, but the drag is much less. Gary SSHTX in the chat room is asking basically on track what sort of advantage does the Mercedes engine still have over the competitors, even though, you know, even though they're starting to catch up? And I just have to say to Heartbreak Ridge, uh, you're a bugger for saying, why have we started late? Who did Spanners forget to introduce this time? Yes, I'm still haunted by forgetting to introduce uh, Thunder Beast, but no, this time it was all Matt Trumpet's fault. So we're we talking about power, power unit deficit too? Yes. To the rest of the field? So like on track, how much of a difference does that make? Well, firstly, you have to think about the fact that the Mercedes power unit is installed in four different cars. So we're not talking about one particular set of cars. We're talking about the difference between the Mercedes and the rest of the field, you know, the works team. 
And if I had to put that down into a term of a number in terms of kilometers per hour or miles per hour, I would probably suggest that we're sort of still around, they're still, still probably around 20 kilometers an hour faster than the rest of the field. It's such a different, difficult figure to actually ascertain because the Mercedes will bank on the fact that they would have that extra advantage, then they can run more downforce. So the, the speed trap figures won't reflect what the actual uh, advantage they have is. That's quite right. And I think the biggest example of that might be Manor because obviously we've seen that those guys top the speed traps at several several of the tracks. Um, now, obviously, they don't have the most downforce and they don't offset it in the same way that Mercedes do. Uh, as Catman's just obviously uh, pointed out. Right. Well, I my only question about the rear wing is, are they using the speed of the car because the car will squat as it goes faster? Is that actually have anything to do with how they are stalling the rear wing or not? Or is it just solely down to the design that a certain, at a certain speed it's going to stall no matter what? Well, everything will stall at a certain speed, but yeah, there is a there is a variation based on the way that obviously they run a high a higher rake, and as the downforce builds from the underfloor, I'm not just talking about the diffuser, but I'm talking the the whole underfloor of the car. The car will start to squat, and obviously that will change the diffuser effect as well. So it's not just the rear wing that's stalling. All teams have a stall effect on on the diffuser as well, but. It's the way that the interaction works between the rear wing and the diffuser. Um, obviously, that that detachment when they do start to stall, you get this loss of downforce and the drag that comes loss of drag that comes with it. Is it is it just the stalling, or or I think Matt was alluding to the change in the angle of attack of the rear wing. So as the rear of the car sits down closer to the track instead of having a 30 degree angle that the wing was at it then is at 25 degrees is that also a figure a factor yeah that that will be a factor um and red bull themselves have spent a huge amount of time in free practice in in the last few grand prix readjusting the suspension um yeah they're, they're not making huge aerodynamic changes like a lot of the other teams are they're not bringing huge package of upgrades they're making mechanical changes that have an effect on the aerodynamic platform of the car and yeah a, a few degrees can make a massive difference and as, especially when it's something that is speed relative because obviously you don't want a rear wing stalling and losing downforce during a high speed corner because you're going to have some pretty bad instability <laughs> would be bad at curva grande for example yeah definitely and that's uh, typically where red bull are particularly strong is through the high speed corners is it not exactly yeah so they've kind of got their whole ethos tuned to to the way in which that they they want to operate and this upgrade that came from renault has really allowed them to unleash this this additional amount of top end speed um and i do think there's some of it some of it variables involved in red bull's increase in ability um mainly around the the um new simulator slash chassis dynamometer that they've got installed at uh at milton Keynes, and the way in which that they're now allowed you know their drivers are actually in the loop and can actually make map settings and all of that sort of stuff um before they actually get to the circuit it makes a huge amount of difference in terms of fuel efficiency um, and the way that they use the energy around a lap. Okay, now now that was intriguing. I know you you've mentioned it before, but before we go on and let and I ask about that, I got to see Ryan. Are you still alive? Yeah, yeah, I am definitely. 
Do you have any questions, man? <laughs> oh, uh, 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 yeah. Uh, I'd like to ask about the uh, the front wing, and uh, obviously we've seen we saw pictures of it in Texas, uh, where it was quite cold and dense. Of the uh, vortexes uh, being uh, created, uh, sort of behind the front wing, like un- under the nose, and. Um, I was sort of wondering. Obviously, has does that sort of have the same effect uh, as the um, was it the ground effects back in was it the late uh, no late seventies early eighties and also those vortexes cause turbulent air vortices. So yeah, the, the vortices cause uh, turbulent air. So um, does that by any chance, if that was to go into the airbox, because obviously. It, where the air's being worked, uh, it becomes hot because of the friction. If that was to go into the airbox, would that sort of does it affect somehow the cooling of the engine? Okay, so there's a couple of things to think about in terms of the what you're calling what you're talking about is the Y two fifty vortex. It's something that's talked about, and everybody just it's one of those assumed knowledge sort of scenarios. So. Firstly, a vortex is when two pressure gradients meet. They cause a spiralling airflow. Uh, It's quite energetic, um, but it can also be very destructive to other airflow streams. Now, the reason why we've got the Y250 vortex is because the regulations permit um, uh, or, or suggest that you must have a neutral section 250 millimetres away from the centre line. That, along with the flap section either side of it, creates the vortex uh, because the two pressure gradients are very different to one another. Um, In terms of what you mentioned about the uh, vortex creating problems downstream, by the time it's got further downstream on the car, um, it, it can burst. It only has a very short lifespan. Um, they're very energetic to begin with, and then they have to be conditioned by other components to keep them a in the right direction or b increase their vorticity more. So it's by the time it's got to the front edge of the side pod, it's kind of took much of its energy out unless the teams using it have done something different along the way. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The Y250, a lot of the airflow goes underneath the car through the diffuser through the underfloor or around the front tires and we saw from the 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 videos from that one that ferret was talking about was that the red bull one was going more to the vortex was going more towards the floor whereas the ferrari vortex was going much more towards the outside of the tire and trying to wash around the car does that demonstrate a difference in their philosophy of how they're trying to run their car it does, and it goes back to the whole rate topic as well um, in terms of the fact that the vortex that Red Bull are using is a very strong vortex, so it will be used to generate... Um, it will it will continue to, to work downstream because they also use other vortexes or vortices to control that particular vortex and then enhance it further down the, down the line. Whereas the the gift that you're talking about, which shows Red Bull and Ferrari, Ferrari bursts just ahead of the side pod because it's left to be unconditioned. Um, it meets with the, the the wake of the front tire um, and bursts on impact. Um, so they're, they're they're sort of two different uh, philosophies going on, but it also shows 
um, the the strengths of the Red Bull over the Ferrari in that respect as well. Excellent. Well, I think as much as I would love to talk about this all day long, we might have some more subject matter to get to. So, Spanners, you want to help move us on? Well, Vortex, uh, Vortex, because <laughs> it's all the vortices, you see. Uh, Fortis says uh, the tweet by Tobias Gruber, I assume today, showed that the data comparison between Lewis and Max at Silverstone was very interesting. Is that something you caught, Summers? It was, and that was what I was mentioning earlier. Very, very, very similar. Um, basically, that Mercedes have a lot more grunt, so they have more top-end speed because they have more power, and they can overwhelm the, the aero um, in terms of drag. Okay, and the chat room, I think, is also taking a drink every time you say something accidentally rude. Uh, they're going to be very, very drunk at this rate, Summers, but try try not to worry about it. Before we move on, Matt, I'd love to encourage people to not only catch this show whenever you see it, because it's not always tech time. Most of the time it's race reviews. We're doing a rules of engagement show on the 21st of August with Bradley Philpott, Race of Champions star. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss a thing. Follow at MissedApexF1. The pinned tweet there will tell you how to subscribe on iTunes, or if you go to SpanishReady.com, there's a big red button that says subscribe on iTunes. You get the hint. You get what I'm trying to get you to do. Um, I'm guessing subscribe. Yes, subscribe, please. Oh, I knew I'd get something right eventually. So exciting. Tell you what, why don't I lead you in with some sort of noise to the next thing? I like that plan. The noise is finished. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Moving on, um, let's perhaps revisit the upcoming 2017 regulations, the ones we didn't get to the first time around because we had so very, very much to say. But before we do, I just want to point out to to Ryan that the Y250 vortices, vortex, because it's one of them, was actually left in place because the 2009 overtaking working group felt that it could be used to energize the following car's front wing. So it's a a, a vortex is neither a good or a bad thing, but it's it's simply a tool to be used appropriately. Wow, that killed everything. You know, I have another thing I want to talk about. Spanners, you remember when we had that guy on last week? Yeah, the TV guy. He was great. The TV guy. Yeah, he was great. And I, you remember I was desperately searching. I, I, I swear I have a point. I was desperately searching for the regulations. Yeah. For the gardening leave regulations. Oh, I yeah. I knew there were gardening leave regulations. And I couldn't find them. And I had to give it up. And so when we got to the subject, I sounded like a bit of an idiot. Because I didn't did. have anything to say about yeah. it. More so than usual. No, same. Same. Okay. Well, that's good at least. Well, you know what? I did find them. Do you know where they were? In the regulations book? No, actually, document 33 published in the events and timing information of the 2015 Abu Dhabi race. Why do I bring that up? Don't know. Well, entertainingly enough, remember, remember Buxton said that it was the Ferrari engineers who were only there about two months. Yeah, that was surprising to a lot of people that the Ferrari engineers were back from Haas so quickly. Yeah, and here's why. Because at three months' time, it's considered a long-term stint, and then they're required to have six months of gardening leave before they come back. Now, you'd think something like this would be in the actual 2016 regulations, 
since it was a decision published in 2015? The answer would be no. You have to remember or get lucky Googling like me that that's where it was. Otherwise, you'll never know why things are done the way they're done. And that, along with the technical documents that we've complained about before, is one of the things I would love for the FAA to change in their upcoming set of regulations. Okay, but do you know what? I never did. I never said hello to the, the chat room. We never said hello to the chat room. So hello to D. Wilson in there, Fortis91, Gary SS, Heartbreak Ridge, no one in particular, Ustream bot. That might be a Ustream bot and several anonymous people. Just remember, you don't just have to sit and use the chat room. You can call in with a number that I'll say after this bit. Just turn your phone on now. The number that I was stalling to find is 0115-888-2739. The last four letters spell Apex. So it's 0115-888-2739. Call in, say hello. I've stopped waffling now, Matt. You can carry on. Yeah, no, I think we made it up to the uh, to to your image four there, the side view. And we were looking at the changes uh, in the barge board in particular and in the uh, offset of the rear wing. Or did we – maybe I didn't mark this as well as I thought. <laughs> oh, boo. Bring back spanners. Boo. <laughs> I think in the last show we briefly covered the barge boards, didn't we? We said that they're going back to kind of early 2000s like the old McLarens were where they the barge board was almost as high as the actual chassis because now I think they're they're quite a limited small size at the moment to almost a shoebox size basically. Well, they were actually supposed to be deleted in the 2009 regulations and the teams actually stepped up, obviously before we had the strategy group, um, and actually made a statement that they they wanted just a small legality area. And that area has become obviously quite complex over the years. But yeah, the the new regulations, the 2017 regulations, as you you say, are heading back towards the sort of early 2000-sized barge boards, quite a large component. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and looking at it too, a, a rather increased uh, volume of the diffuser as well. Yeah, the diffuser's going up considerably. Um, so obviously it's not only increasing in height, uh, it's currently set at 125 millimetres in, in the current regulations. It's going up to 175 millimetres, which doesn't sound like a lot in terms of height difference. But that's sort of 2009-ish with the double diffusers. That's where we're at in terms of height. But the, the biggest difference is the um, measurement from the rear wheel centre line. It's actually been measured 175 millimetres ahead of the rear wheel centre line. So that the actual volume of the diffuser is, is increased by about a third. Um, I did some rough calculations and it was around about, it's, currently it's around about 20,000 centimetres cubed. Um, and it's going up to around about 35 to 37 centimetres cubed, depending of, of obviously on each team because they'll have different variations on the way they dif- design the diffuser. So in my little brain, surely that tells me that if you've got a much bigger diffuser, that's going to cause a much bigger wake, surely, and that's what we don't want in terms of following. Although is it all to do with the shape of the wake that it produces? Yeah, and that's the 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 thing that you need to consider as well in that respect is also the sh- the new shape of the rear wing. Uh, the the new rear wing is completely different to what we we've currently got. It's delta shaped um, from the side view, 
just as much as the the front wing is delta shaped. I mean, the whole car has lots of triangular shapes all over it to try and make it look a bit more futuristic. Um, but yeah, the, the the wake profile will be changed. And I've had this argument with several people about the, the diffuser being increased in height and the, the effect that it will have on wake. But I think what we must remember is that sort of 2012, we had some exceptional racing and we had in large diffusers with coander effect exhausts, you know, exhaust blown diffusers, um, diffusers that were increased in their height purely by the, the, the magnitude of being able to blow the sides of the diffuser by the exhaust. Um, and so I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem, especially with the way that the rear wing's been designed to to fit in, in with that in terms of the shape of the wake. Okay, so maybe it's more to do with the front wing design then rather than the diffuser that actually is not allowing them to follow in the, in the wake then. Well, I think the biggest problem that you have with every, every regulation set is the fact that obviously each team has something very different. Um, you know, if you if you watch a spec series, you're going to get overtaking because every car is pretty much similar, a barring mechanical setup. So the aero-wise, they're all very, very similar. Um, in terms of the the front wing, yeah, of course there can be changes made, and the you know the deltoid shape that they're going for should change the Y250 vortex, etc. As well, so we are going to see some changes, and. Um, I'm not so sure that we'll see much difference in terms of the amount of overtaking that we currently get, but it will be interesting to see just how each of the teams space out. Will it allow Nico Rosberg to turn in at the apex rather than <laughs> just drift aimlessly out uh, into no man's land? No, because his car's going to be wider. <laughs> Even <laughs> wider. The, 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 car, the cars are two metres wide instead of 1,800 millimetres, so yeah. <laughs> Baku, here we come. Yeah. <laughs> You know, circuits, <laughs> circuits like Baku and, and Monaco are, are going to become even more of a problem for for cars to, that, that want to overtake because there just isn't the room and, and, and you're adding even more space to the side of the car. Doesn't matter. See, a dry Monaco... Is, see, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Ah, it's okay. Go ahead, man. I was going to say a dry Monaco is a bust anyway. It doesn't really matter at this point whether you double the width. Unless it rains, it's pointless being there. It's like racing scale extracts all on the same single track. It's kind of pointless. <laughs> you say that, but this year's Monaco was by far the best race, number one. And number two, you say problem summers. I say entertainment. Wider cars equal more banging. Do not put water on <laughs> your do not put water on your Scalextrics track in order to make it more exciting. That's all kids. That's all I wanted to say. You will not get the sparks you were looking for. Anyway, I, you know, I read something interesting about Delta Shapes. And, and that they do have some applications in motorsports. In particular, the high-speed vortices can be used to create suction. And is that the same kind of delta shapes that you're talking about when you're looking at the 2017 cars? Not so much because we're talking about a, a much sp wider span width of the, of the areas. Sort of, It's the leading edge of the side part. It's the front wing is swept backwards and the rear wing end plates are, are swept behind the car. Um, but they're also very much curved as well. Um, in a, if you remember the A1GP cars, um, they had a very um, strange shape to the way that the end plates went from the, the flapped region down to the floor. And uh, next year's cars will be shaped in exactly that, that, that pattern as well. All right. Well, speaking of the floor, maybe we should uh, move on and talk a little bit about the plank. Yeah, so... What, Ryan? Well, hey! Oh. 
<laughs> the, Breathe, the plank, Ryan. The, the, the plank of the car, I appreciate. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Team you're talking about there, Matt. Uh, yeah, or, or possibly walk the plank at the rate I'm going. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically the plank, if you're not aware of it, is a, pe- a piece of homogenous uh, material that's fitted to the underside of the floor. Um, it's something that was brought in after 1994 or during 1994 to limit the the height at which the cars could be run. Um, and it's more of a safety feature, but it's something that obviously causes a problem to the teams in as much as that it doesn't allow them to run at the rake angles that perhaps they'd like to um, and use the floor as um, under trays, etc., to create downforce. Um, but for 2017, they're actually going to reduce the length of the plank by 100 millimetres, um, and that should have an effect on how much additional rake they can run, something that obviously Red Bull might be happy about. I was going to say, is that a Red Bull uh, favour, perhaps? Possibly, but it's. I think it's all to do to tie in with the rest of the regulations and the way they've been shifted in, in reality. Matt, it feels like you should have said allegedly at some point in that sentence. Allegedly. Excellent. Allegedly. I can edit that back that in. You, you, yeah. you, can, you can solve that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we already talked about the diffuser. Um, just talk a little bit more about the rear wing, if you would, because that, that – I look at it and I just, my immediate question is, and I'm sure that's everybody who's seen a drawing of a 2017 car, has got to be center of pressure. The rear wing seems much further back. How is that going to affect the balance of the car? Well, yeah, it's going to have quite a a different effect on the car um, because it is quite a distance away from the rear wheel center line. So it is going to change the center of pressure. And I think that's an intended consequence of the change in the regulations to try and shift the way in which that the wake moves rearward and allow the rearward the rear car to be able to get into the wake profile of the one ahead to try and strip, slip, uh, slipstream the car ahead. 
So you think it'll make slipstreaming easier and thus that their their thought was to make it easier to overtake by allowing the car in front to slipstream with less effort. I believe that's their intention. Whether it's what actually happens will... Won't that then cut down on the effect of DRS if everyone's kind of getting a slipstream effect anyway? Possibly, but DRS will actually be increased for next year. Oh, um, purely because the the width of the rear wing is much much wider. You know, we're going from yeah. nine and sorry, seven hundred and fifty millimeters wide to nine hundred and fifty millimeters wide. So you've got a much wider open area. Um, see, we only we see a lot of whinging about DRS, but I don't know whether it's generational and whether some people older than me hate it and younger. Uh, hate it and think it's a gimmick for me it was a massive relief when it came in because we were we were tortured in the 90s with procession after procession so it was nice with DRS it was a way of just letting a faster car get on with it and not be unnecessarily bogged down behind a trolley I think it's a relief when they get it right but the problem is it can really ruin a decent race if you've got a guy who's got to the front with an amazing strategy but on slightly fading tires he can keep it together through the corners just about but then you get the DRS and then the other guy just flies by and totally ruins the effect of that strategy so um I'm all for abandoning the trolley train Ryan Yeah well with with DRS, I sort of found it was good at the circuits where they had it so it wasn't overpowered. It would mean that you'd be able to use the DRS to sort of set yourself up somewhere else during the lap, or it would set yourself up for the next corner. But I'm not a big fan of it where they have it on long straights and they just breeze past them and is right in front, ready into the braking zone. Yeah, Summers? Yeah, so my biggest frustration with DRS is that when it was first introduced, obviously it was sort of a bittersweet pill of the FIA admitting the fact that the rear wing stalling device, i.e. the F-duct, actually solved many of Formula 1's problems. And then um, they went on to change the, the way that they use DRS. When we first had DRS, the zones would be increased or decreased each race, at each event during free practice um, to allow um, sort of an effect whereby the quicker teams and the slower teams were marginalised. Uh, but now we have this situation where they're static zones, nothing's ever changed. Um, and I believe it was to do with costs, but I don't think there was really that huge amount of cost involved. And I think it kind of took something away from the original implementation of DRS. Do you mind if I throw you off track with a few chat room questions, uh, Mr. Host Trumpets? No, um, ask away. I, I thoroughly enjoy being off track. Heartbreak Ridge. Oh, Heartbreak Ridge. That, I want to go and see that now. So I lied. So I can't tell time. Uh, I, I remember who that is. Clint Eastwood. That's it. Uh, he's curious how the new aero is going to interact with the fatter and lower degradation tyres. And there's one more after this. So, yeah, there's, I mean, basically the aerodynamic effect of a tyre is huge. Um, and it's one of the biggest issues in terms of being able to manage that airflow. You know, a lot of the error that is built around these cars is to do with managing the, the wake that is generated by a tyre. Um, it's all to do with reducing the amount of drag that's generated um, and, and obviously the effect that it has on the floor um, because it can impinge by squirting airflow into the, the diffuser. Everyone drink. <laughs> and so, um, go, oh, go on then. Oh, carry on. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> So, yeah, are the, you the, mocking our guests? Brush past Dennis? it, brush past it. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the tyres have a huge impact on the aerodynamic platform of the car. Um, there's something that's always moving, so there's always going to be a, they're always going to be a problem. 
Um, so yeah, increasing the width is going to cause again another problem, and it's all about how the teams then manage that that problem with their designs. So I think that answers Gary SS's question, which is how come the World Endurance Championships do such a better job of controlling the wake? Why not just rip a page out of their regulations and bring it into F1? Uh, but Matt's come in the chat and said, well, it's the closed wheels. And as you said, the tyres are a moving part. So you take away that dynamic and, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to manage the airflow. But then, then it's bumper cars. So no, we can't rip a page out of it because we want actual racing, not slidey, slidey, bumpy, bumpy. There are a lot of pages we could rip out of their book that would help Formula One a lot. But in this instance, not so much. I think one of the biggest problems that we have is that people think that the front wings are a major problem. But the reason that we have the intricate designs we do is because the teams are trying to improve the downforce that's being generated and reduce the amount of drag. And that's all that these little flicks and you know, turning vanes, etc., on the front wing and down the car are all just trying to manage that airflow and improve the car in general. Um, So the front wing gets a lot of stick, in my opinion. And I know it could be less complex, but there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. It's not just for fun. Yeah, well, the complexity is really all about trying to make out of air what the WEC does with actual carbon fiber. To, exactly. to get the air to bend around the tire to create as low pressure as possible so there's a little disturbance and drag created by the rotating tire. Yeah, they're just trying to create aero structures to do something that you know a, a physical part could do effectively. How yeah. much do the blown axles help with the weight caused by the tire summers? It, again, it's all down to each individual design. Um, you know, you couldn't compare, say, a Haas version versus the Red Bull one. Um, they have very different ways of doing things, and it all depends on how much they proportion to do with brake cooling versus the, the blown axle itself. Um, they're not as powerful as they used to be because the FIA took away a lot of the design scope when they changed the regulations, um, you know, when we had the spinny discs on, on the front wheels, etc. You know, all of this is to do with managing the wake of the front tyre. Um, yeah, it has an effect, but it also has compromises because it will also have a compromise to the front wing and the leading edge of the, the, the floor and the side pod. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a design consideration when you look at the philosophy of your car. Okay, yeah, because the scoops of most of those are underneath the nose cone, if I'm right, um, along with the stalling device for the the top of the chassis. They take it from a scoop underneath the underneath the nose cone and then feed that through the axle. Is that right? No, the 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 inlet is the actual brake inlet. So you've got the, oh, okay. the vertical element that fits alongside the 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 tire, and alongside that you usually have a scoop. Um, some of the teams don't run with a scoop. They'll just run with air going between the vertical element and, and the tyre itself. But those with a blown axle generally have a much larger scoop to be able to take air in and then pass it out through the axle. Okay, which then obviously causes drag around the tyre. Yes. Okay. Right. So there has been, as far as I can tell, one major change to the 2017 regulations. And that is that we are now officially not going to be running the Halo. And I thought it might be a good time to take a few minutes and discuss that. That sounds like a major change of topic worthy of a bumper and a promotional type speech from me. Ah, you caught me. 
A massive thank you to the guys who have been supporting us on Patreon. I won't bore you with the details again, but it has made a massive difference to the future of Missed Apex Podcast. Guys, we're looking for things like $1 or $2 a month. A tip jar mentality would be appreciated. If you go to SpannersReady.com, go to the Contact Us page. The Patreon tab is there for Dad Hub and Missed Apex, and we do appreciate your support. Uh, give us a donation. Get in touch. If you want to email me, SpannersReady at gmail.com, as many of you do. Find me at SpannersReady.com and see what Catman wants right now. I like the way you're asking for donations in dollars now that the pound is essentially useless. Too soon! We're not discussing how <laughs> terrible everything is yet, okay? We're just going to drift I, past that. I, I, I should have warned you. I caught an awful lot of stick for a Brexit joke last week. Uh, and no one pay attention to how your donations have now slightly increased because they're all in dollars. <laughs> no, don't even... Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Some micropayment, guys. Uh, in all seriousness, we really do appreciate it. We appreciate the support we're getting in the Missed Apex Facebook group. And a big thank you last week when we had, for us, a very, very big guest, Will Buxton. Uh, to all the people who just shared our post everywhere around social media, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, you guys social mediaed in a way we are unable to. So thank you very, very much. That kind of thing helps us more than anything. But the money thing too. <laughs> yeah, especially in many Right. So the Halo, what is actually going on with the Halo? It was going to be implemented for sure. The drivers hated it. The drivers loved it. The teams loved it. The teams hated it. We saw two or three different iterations. And after the last strategy group meeting, they've officially put it off till 2018, where they swear it will be implemented. But they've also ruled out any kind of a hybrid with the arrow screen already which seems a bit unusual to me. So can you bring us up to date, Summers? What's the latest and greatest as far as you know? Okay, so the Halo is done for 2017, as you just said. Um, Unfortunately, um, yeah, I've just had something fall over in the room. Um, Yeah, uh, the Halo is done for 2017. So they've told us that we're going to be getting it for 2018 and that there'll be no consensus in terms of the design. It will be a halo. Now that might be a bit of a, an issue to a lot of the fans who have taken umbrage with the fact that they don't like the halo design in terms of the aesthetic. Um, and, and many more people are obviously saying that they prefer to see something like the arrow screen. But I think that's primarily down to the fact that everybody's got a different opinion of what the cockpit protection should actually be doing. So Lewis Hamilton has flip-flopped in his uh, opinion of it. At the beginning, he said it was aesthetically awful and it was the worst design that I think he's ever seen. And and this week he said, oh, why are we not implementing it for next year? What happens if somebody gets bonked on the head? Um, and I, I think the aesthetic argument is a, is a bit of a difficult one if considering recent events. I know that you know F, that F1's really trying with the new regulations to make the cars look much more awesome and slanty but um the aesthetic argument is quite difficult isn't it i don't know how you feel about that well from from a personal point of view i think safety is paramount and i think aesthetic should come second um but i do see that a a problem in terms of uh the way in which that the the halo has an impact on the drivers themselves in terms of uh, field of view etc well and and more to the point to ask yourself, what problem are they trying to solve here? Because uh, as, as we previously discussed off air, if you go back and look, and I, I, I put into our notes a list of head injuries from all the series, um, 41 total, 
16 and F1 from the very start, um, how many of those would the halo have actually helped? And the, the one that really sticks out to me would be Henry Surtees. Absolutely. Absolutely. With the... No doubt about it. Um, but beyond that, if you're talking about, say, Felipe Massa or even Justin Wilson, uh, you're talking a 17% chance, according, this is according to the FAA, a 17% chance that that, that would have kept the debris from, from hitting him in a helmet. I think and, Ryan's got an example that he mentioned earlier yeah. as well. Well, I was, uh, I'll, I'll go on to the example, but uh, in a couple of seconds, but um, I was sort of thinking those two, one of the incidents that you said about, about Henry Surtees and also go back to Ayrton Senna, I think if they'd had the wheel tethers back, uh, back with Senna and with the Henry Surtees incident, that those incidents they'd still be alive and were wa- wa- walking today. So I feel that some of the crashes that people refer to, saying, "Oh, well, if the halo was there, yes, it would," but my thoughts are, well, if there was other safety uh, features that are implemented today were there, then the incident would have happened e- either. But uh, the example I'm thinking of is. Um, that uh, Tom Price uh, back in the 70s uh, was driving along minding his own business and a marshal runs across with a fire extinguisher to attend to an accident that happened with a car catch fire. Now it's quite famous because he goes into the marshal, the marshal gets cut in half but the fire extinguisher strikes him on the head which is what killed him. Now I think if the halo was there then he'd still be alive and walking today. Yeah, it's possible because a halo is mainly designed to deflect large pieces, wheel-sized pieces of debris. But if you look, just go back and look at the modern era of Formula One, and it was actually, I wanted to bring up, this has happened since our last discussion, um, Luke Bennett, who's a, a doctor, a medical doctor, who goes to a number of Formula One races and was interviewed or did an article for James Allen. And he, he did a breakdown, a very interesting breakdown of medical incidents and, and, and races. Um, and basically, there have only been five rollovers since 2014. And the biggest problem is impacts, side impacts, which move your head side to side, tend to cause concussion and rib injuries. So the, the argument for the halo is a very good one, except for there don't seem to be any actual incidents in which it would be useful. It's, or if they are, they're extremely rare. And the flip side of that, and this is my concern, yeah, I know, I'm getting to my point, slowly but surely. Number one, I haven't seen any extrication studies getting out of the car, either injured or unaided. But the few times I've seen people get in, it does not look easy to do. Number two, number two, cooling and center of gravity of the car. We know that from the last time they ran the halo, they could only run about two laps at full speed before the cooling of the engine was affected. Not not even just the ballast of the car, the cooling of the engine. And number three, the driver's vision. Drivers mostly look to the side, to the corners, to the apexes. And that widow's peak that hangs down We've already seen some of the most spectacular accidents when the driver behind misjudges where the car in front is braking. And to me, I, I, just, I, th- I just wonder if that particular design is not going to cause more incidents where the car behind rolls up 
on the car in front. Well, you've、It's- made forty-eight、uh, thousand points there. Let me address them in order. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> Catman was getting in, though, wasn't he? Um, I forgot which point I was getting in on. You go, Spanners. No,、There's- no, me too. We can. I completely. Lo- I can only assume that. <laughs> also, with- I, I scared it, but but what I really wanted to say is to、There's、me, the halo is an incomplete solution. Yeah, they just haven't thought the damn thing through, right? And、oh, and they, and and they should take the time to step back and do it proper. Well, obviously, the、uh, the whole idea of the halo started coming in at the start, just before the beginning of the season, and、uh, then it almost seemed like we had two incidents in the first race of the season that、uh, made me sort of think. Well, is it actually a good idea, or does it need to be rethought? Because、uh, we had、uh, Fernando Alonso、yeah. have his role. And I, I sort of thought to myself, well, if he'd have had the halo on, would he have been able to get out,、uh, gotten out? Which he said in the press the next day, I don't think I would have. Then we also had Kimi Räikkönen's car catching fire、uh, in the pit lane, which made me think, him getting out of the car could it have caused him to,、uh, to get burnt or something by getting out of the car? And also, it would have taken him longer to get out of the car because obviously, at the moment, the drivers have a set time they've got to come out,、uh, get out of the car. I think it's they got to be out of the car、uh, within five seconds. Well, are they going to have to extend that sort of time with the halo? So I believe that Red Bull put it on a static version of their car and tried to do some extrication studies in in the pit lane in at the Spanish Grand Prix, and I think it, they did see that it took a little while longer. I'm not sure of the exact figure to actually get out of the car, and also with Alonso's accident, if you end up upside down like that, if you can't get out of the car because there's a big bar in the way, the marshals are have it drilled into them from day one. That if there's a driver inside that you suspect has a spinal injury, the first thing you do not do is roll the car over to get it the right way up. You extract it with the guy up, up with the car upside down, and then get him on a spinal board rather than flipping the car down, causing a massive shunt straight up the spine.、Um, rather than you know, it actually,、uh, you're going to cause more trouble there than it's worth. Yeah, and the, the, from what I understand, the biggest problem in that respect is that the way in which they currently operate is that the the driver is taken out in their seat, so they're、mm. obviously strapped in in a certain way, so that the driver can be pulled out as part of the seat. And obviously, from my understanding, that is actually even more difficult than it should be, and that is one of the the prime reasons why we're in the situation we are, along with the aero impact as well, which is obviously caused. Numerous problems. So,、right. should the halo be incorporated into the safety cell? Then, in my in my personal opinion, I would I would continue to investigate the 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 whole idea of cell protection.、Um, and I think when we get the next regulation change in twenty twenty, I think that's when we should be really looking at sorting out some kind of canopy design,、um, rather than trying to tack something onto the current designer. Philosophy that that Formula One's are, cars are designed under a set of regulations, right? And I want to follow up on that and say, you know, thinking about it, once I had my mini rant there, what really bothers、mini? me is that Formula One is an engineering and technical marvel, and if、mm-hmm. you are going to implement safety features, you ought to be doing it on an evidence-based basis. And it seems like to me they just someone got a wild hair. 
And next thing you know, we have the halo and Charlie waiting saying like, wow, I've seen them shoot a wheel out of a cannon at this thing. It is so cool. That is not the basis on which we should be making these kinds of decisions. Oh my God. People's lives are involved. He's like one I of those. Like, Sorry, man. Go ahead. No, he's not like one of those crazy food babe followers who's like, but I saw a YouTube video. The moon landings were faked and JFK was assassinated by a giant penguin who was in love with Panda. But the chat room is in massive agreement with you. Uh, people are saying things like, here, here, Matt. That's from D. Will. Uh, Gary says, agreed. I don't like this. This never happens when I'm hosting. Uh, <laughs> Alonzo in Australia is being brought up as a good point. Uh, and Heartbreak Ridge is saying, the half-baked halo, another stunning FIA achievement. Uh, D. Will also mentions that the drivers have mentioned being claustrophobic, and that interests him the most. But that's not going to get better with a canopy. And I think that's just about it, Matt. Yeah, no, I, I think I think unless anyone else has anything to add to that, I, I just felt like I really had to get that off my chest. All right, so is it quiz time? Then? Oh, wait, Patrick Daly also has just added he, he agrees as well. So there you go. There's one You've more. You've done the thing to me that I do to you. That and is I, so not fair. I know. And it's really tempting. I understand now from this side. <laughs> like, I just want to say more stuff. <laughs> and that's why you constantly get in and interrupt me when you're trying to move on. Uh, okay. Sorry. Okay. I apologize. No, that's okay. I think um, unless anyone has anything else, it is quiz time. Oh, you're expecting some music for quiz. Yeah, why not? Hang on. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you're in charge of the producing. So. Well, if you bought a mixer, you'd be in charge of the producing. It's not hard. I can do it. Ryan could probably do it. Okay, then, quizzy rascals. I've got a quiz for the four of you. I've got five questions. The first one, and these are all tech time-based questions. So the first question, how many Adrian Newey design cars have won a Constructors World Championship? Seven. Go. Any advance on seven? I say 13. Half the difference. Are we to constructors? No, don't give them clues. Just because I went first doesn't mean they Six. get clues. Ah. <laughs> Even gave it away. It's 10. So we got five with Williams from 92 to 97. Ryan, one hang on, wait a minute. Aaron. Ryan didn't get to guess. Ooh. Oh, he's already said the answer now. So uh, that, then you should on. just say it. Well, you Ryan, should guess separate. 10, my friend. <laughs> yeah, That's 10. The way it works. Yeah. Congratulations, Brilliant. Ryan. Well done. Well done, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the second question. Which car or driver was the last winner with a low nose cone? So not a raised nose cone like we have nowadays. Ooh, Raikkonen. Nope. Oh, I was thinking Dubai nose. 2013. That's what I was thinking. Are you talking about? Are you talking about no rake, or what are you talking about? So in terms of nose cone, I mean, so you had the like the 92 Williams had a nose cone that kind of met the front wing at the floor with no. Right. Um, little struts. I'm talking about that sort of nose rather than a raised nose. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. You have I to guess, or the quiz prost. doesn't. Prost. I can hear the tumbleweeds. <laughs> oh, prost. Um, you say prost. I say Senna. There we go. Uh, okay. I want to say ah uh, Mansell in '94. Uh, oh, he's closer. Spanners. I I already incorrectly said Raikkonen like a. <laughs> it was Schumacher in uh, 1996 with the low nose Ferrari just before they upgraded it to the high nose. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, what was the last team for both cars to be banned from competing in a race due to a technical infringement? HRT. It, he said that with a lot of confidence. I'm going to go for Red Bull. McLaren? <laughs> and I would say McLaren. 
Okay, I I actually had BAR in two thousand and five. They were banned because of their secondary fuel Himmler. tank. How about Sauber with their rear wing at Australia in twenty two thousand and nine? Were they banned for a race though, or were no, they just they were, excluded? They're, just, they're excluded, yeah. Okay, yeah, because BAR were banned from Monaco and Spain. So, okay, uh, an interesting one here. How many six wheel F one cars have been made? Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, Three. I'm going last. Ryan says three. Two. Matt, two. 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 Okay, I'm going to... Well, well, me, me, me. All right. Yeah. Four. Oh, Spanners takes it. They yeah. Five. So the only one to race was the Tyrrell. There was also one made by March. Uh, Ferrari made one. They had four wheels on a single axle. And McLaren and Williams tried four wheels at the back. There we go. So Spanners takes Wait a minute. A point. Hang on a minute. Doesn't that mean the answer's ten? Presumably those cars had two in their team. Uh, it, they never actually raced them. The only one that oh. raced it was Tyrrell. Okay, uh, last one. Let's go for who took the last victory for a tyre company other than Pirelli? Well, Bridgestone, surely. No, which, which driver? Oh, you said Vettel. Yes, Sebastian Vettel oh. in Abu Dhabi in 2010. Who wins? Um, me, because none of you got any of the answers right. Oh, boo. <laughs> actually, Ferris got a couple, so here we go. We'll give it to you, right? Congratulations, Ryan. Actually, yeah, that's the wrong music, isn't it? To celebrate things, uh, we should stall for time and play that. Yeah, congratulations, Ryan Ferris, winner of the Tech Time Quiz, the inaugural Tech Time Quiz. Only spraying his beer <laughs> passively, aggressively into people's faces and trying to make it hurt. Probably the first and last Tech Time Quiz. There you go. Is that the end of Tech Time? Did I survive it? We. <laughs> Did you yeah. nod off yeah, in the middle, Spanners? Yeah, you want to hear more. Well, I don't know. I was thinking, Matt, that what you... Is there more? We no, could go I mean, for hours. We, we could go for ages. I mean, we could we could have oh, a long discussion about how delta planar delta shapes can be used to create effectively suction in motorsports, and perhaps the use of the delta profile is meant to help seal the under underfloor of the car to create more effective, kind of like they use the coanda and the uh, the coanda to seal the the car against rear tire. I said, people drink. <laughs> that's not subtle yeah. enough <laughs> to edit it, it out that's not subtle sorry <laughs> no there'll be big beeps there instead uh, no we could do that but what I meant is how much is left of the planned of the planned show otherwise I thought we could just do our normal awards but for tech so we could have the tech of the season so far and missed tech I'm sure Summers you've got a tech of the year well I used mine last last time round didn't I uh, on oh, show yeah, with Will yeah, yeah. All right. well you can go for something even more nerdy Okay, then, so let's pick a part of the Mercedes then, shall we? <laughs> I'm going to go with their serrated floor and barge boards. Ooh, that's, that's, I didn't even listen. I'm going for, in testing, I'm going for the double sofa uh, rear wing of Williams to create that more downforce because it reminded me a lot of the double sofa in Lego movie. And I, I like that. I, I instantly went, that's the most useless thing I've ever seen. Fantastic. Uh, Matt, why don't you give us a tech thing of the year? My tech thing of the year is Rosberg's sawtooth cockpit visor. What the hey? Did it break? No. He, <laughs> no, he runs, he runs like a that. sawtooth visor and no one knows why. I think it's because if he has an accent, he just wants to impale himself on it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just hoping the season will end that badly. Oh, dear. <laughs> Ryan, do you have a actually used it as well before? Oh, is he? I believe in a techie way, it's meant to actually uh, adjust the airflow around the helmet into the airbox, is it not? 
Okay, mm. so I guess that leaves the. Did you, Ryan? Did you do a tech thing of the the year? Well, I wanted to say the Williams as well because it reminded me back of the early nineties of well, uh, of back when they had the double, um, uh, well, the double wings, but uh, they were banned back then because they were producing so much G that uh, the drivers were nearly passing out through corners. You can't have too much G. Let's see what everyone's. Oh, come on! I'm sorry, man. You forgot me. I did. You're the thunder beast of this episode. Tech thing of the season. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, my techie thing of the year will be the rear end of the Toro Rosso because they managed to package that so neatly around that 2015 engine that it's given them a massive advantage, certainly at the beginning of the season until their engine started packing up. We like a tight rear package on an F1 car. Don't drink. Don't drink for that. <laughs> What's the worst tech thing? I'll lead off with everything at Ferrari. You need aero. It's an aero sport. You need aero. Well, if you're talking about Ferrari, perhaps. I I hate to throw Williams under the bus, but I got to throw Williams under the bus. Their entire season. <laughs> uh, tell you what, who agrees with you? D. Wilson in the chat room has put that as well. Missed tech is Williams. Yeah, absolutely agreed because they went for their low downforce slippery um philosophy and then just started trying to pile aero back on when it just wasn't going to work summers no you're on mute buddy you know you know my my i'm, my, I'm gonna go my tech thing it's going to be summers on mute <laughs> yeah me on mute <laughs> i'm gonna go with sober they should be in the sea with Marcus Ericsson because they've had no updates for their car. Are you guys just reading the chat room because Gary SS has said Sauber are the worst tech thing in the whole of F1? Are you two just it's not chatting? Fair. They didn't even try. They were even not even an update. Williams is trying. I think that makes it worse. Yeah. No? So who have we got left? Catman and Ryan. Catman. Oh, I've stolen all the good ones. Uh, I'm going to have to go with nobody. They're all good. Yeah. That's lame. Ryan, be less lame. lame. Did you say McLaren because they keep comparing themselves to teams from last season, not yeah. this season? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Matt, I think that'll do us. Should we get out of here? Yes, but before we go, let's find out where we can catch our guests on social media. Ryan, where can we catch up with you? You can find me on Twitter at ferret115. That's IT, not ET. Groovy Catman, what have you been up to and where can we find you these days? You can find me at CatmanF1 on Twitter, and I do the Team by Team preview for F1 Fanatic. You know, I think I've heard of them. Spanners, where can we catch you? At the slightly better Formula One website, www.spannersready.com. And you know what? You can, you can follow me at SpannersReady. I'm amusing and hilarious. Come on, boost my ego. Give me another follow. Right, Summers? That'll how make about two you? then. <laughs> Oi. Ooh, sick bird. Do you want ice I'm not gonna, burn spanners? Yes. I'm not going to talk about Twitter followers, um, but you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at SummersF1, which is S-O-M-E-R-S-F-1, or obviously my work at motorsport.com with Giorgio Piola. Hey, Matt, sh- shall I play the outro music and you just guess when it's going to end and go into the big kicky out bit? Oh, so I don't get to tell people where to find me? Is that the way that's You part? do if you do it quick enough. At MattPT55 on the Twitters, and do look for my wife's books on Amazon, Amanda Weed. And until the next time, wounds heal, chick sticks, scars, and glory lasts forever. This was tech time. It was all right. (laughs) 
hey Matt, imagine what all this would be like if we practiced or like rehearsed or anything like that. It would be way less entertaining. Shall I just not edit any of that? Yeah, <laughs> just, just throw it incredibly there. drunk by now. If you can hear a very polished version of Miss Apex Tech Time, you know I edited it. Just that last 10 minutes anyway. And I won the quiz. Whatever, whatever you hear, I won the quiz. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com